John chapter 1. I have this sermon and one more from John 1, 1 to 18. So that'll let you know what you're dealing with. But I want to read verses 1 to 1 to 18 again because I was told when I was in school that repetition aids learning. And so we will read this passage again. These are the words of God through his disciple John, who was the brother of James. He writes this gospel and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In fact, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, the word, Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we learned last week, it has tried. Now here's the commercial in 6, 7, and 8 in this 18 verses. John then says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist, not John the disciple. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Then we get back to Jesus. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him. He's the creator, yet the world did not know him. This is one of the most tragic verses, I think, in the Bible. He came unto his own... And his own people did not receive him. Followed by, I think, one of the most hopeful verses in the Bible. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he, Jesus, gave the right to become children of God. And they were a certain type of children, verse 13, who were born not of blood, so it didn't come through lineage, nor of the will of the flesh. You couldn't do it in yourself, nor of the will of man. Nobody else can do it for you but of God. And this sums it up. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now verse 15 again is a commercial about John the Baptist. John the Baptist bore witness about him. That's Jesus. And he cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So John is saying, Jesus is God. I might be older chronologically, but he was before me. And then 16, 17, and 18 sums it all up. For from his fullness, that's Christ's, we have all received grace upon grace. Oh, the mercy. Oh, the mercy of our God. For the law was given through Moses, that's the Ten Commandments and everything we know, but grace and truth, that only comes through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God. You can't look upon God and live. Who is at the Father's side? Jesus Christ. He has made God known because He is God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word again this morning. So this morning, I'd like to start by asking you something. I want everyone here, if you're capable or if you're, you're able to, to 
rehearse some event in your mind. When you do that, I'd like to ask you a couple of things. So what I'd like you to do is right now in, in the crevices of your mind, I want you to go back and I want you to relive that moment or those series of moments that you've identified when, when you met Jesus, when, when you discovered that Jesus was more than just cultural religion or a subject in Sunday school where you truly met him. What I mean is when, you, when did you first hear about him in a way that grabbed your attention? I want you to think about that right now. My question as you do that is, quite simply, are you a believer in Christ? Do you believe in Him? Do you trust Him? Why do you trust Him? And what are you trusting him with? Now, as you rehearse that, I want to think about the idea of being a witness. I've submitted that John the Baptist is kind of like the star witness for Christ. If you were to view this in regards to a courtroom drama and that the gospel of John is where John, the disciple, almost acts like as the court recorder and he's recording the events, and it's how, how was Jesus defended? How, how was he put forward? But as you're thinking about that, I want you to think about someone or something in real life, in the here, right here and now, whom you believe or you admire, or someone you like or you've been influenced by, or someone that's impressed you or something that's impressed you. And I want to ask you, you know, think about sports team, sports figure, actor, politician, historical figure, family member, businessman, someone that right now, or a, a particular car, a company, whatever, that you admire, that you look up to, that you're thankful for, that, that has really had a, an impact on your life. And I just want to ask you then, um, do you have any issues talking about it, them, him, or her? Now let me explain. Satish is not here, so I can't pick on him. But Satish and I drive the two best cars that anybody drives in this church. I just want you all to know that. We have pearl black Hyundai Sonatas. It's the best car on the market. And I really don't care what any of you think. <laughs> About six or eight years ago, I bought my first Hyundai. And I'm a believer. I've had three different Sonatas since. In PEI, I got 27 awards for getting other people to buy Hyundais. I've had three people buy Hyundai since I've lived here. I'm a great witness for Hyundai. <laughs> I can defend my favorite hockey team. Well, actually, I can't. It's Toronto Maple Leafs. I can't defend them. I can defend my favorite player. I find it very easy to talk about Newfoundland. I especially love to tell you about Harbor Grace or St. John's. I tell all the people in Prince Edward Island where I lived for the last 15 years that in Newfoundland, prayer is a local call. 
because you're just that much closer to God. It's not even long distance from Newfoundland. I share and talk fondly about all of my memories and experiences and treasures of being a Newfoundlander and growing up in Newfoundland, and I didn't have to take a class about it. I didn't have to go to Sunday school and learn how to talk about Newfoundland. I just do it. I didn't have to read a book. I didn't have to think about it. I don't stress about it. I don't think, should I talk about Newfoundland? Should I talk about my car? Should I talk about my hockey team? And while many that I talk to will disagree with me, many ignore me, some will even fight back and say, no, you don't drive the nicest car. You don't cheer for the best team. It doesn't seem to slow me down. It doesn't make me hesitate, not one little bit. But I still do it without hesitation. So finally... Are you willing to be, am I willing to be, are we willing to be, if we claim to be Christians, are we willing to be a witness for Jesus? And exactly what kind of witness would you and I be? I mean, John the Baptist is talked about in all four of the Gospels. He is known for being a witness. But, but why? Why? Have you, have you ever wondered, why would John the Apostle bring John the Baptist into the same conversation with this most beautiful introduction of praising and worshiping and making so much of Jesus in John 1, 1 to 18? You see, John the Apostle has already introduced us to Jesus. I just read it in verses 1 to 5. But now he's going to begin to validate his case, so to speak. And he doesn't start with the disciples. He doesn't start with himself. He right out of the gate says, look, here's the star witness. Here's the one who can let you know that all I'm about to write about Jesus is true. That everything Jesus claims to be is true. Remember, John the disciple, his reason for writing the gospel of John in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by leaving, believing, you might have life in his name. So John says, okay, if that's my purpose, I want you to know that John the Baptist is put forth, believe it or not, if you read the gospel, as one of eight witnesses in the gospel of John. All said this of Christ. All said that what was said of Christ in verses 1 to 5 and basically what's said in cha chapter 1 verses 1 to 18 is everything true and it's all bared out in the rest of the gospel. And now you might say, well, who are these witnesses? If John the Baptist is one, well, who are these other witnesses? I'm glad you asked. Because the first one is God the Father. God the Father. In John 8, 18, the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So Jesus says that his own father says that this is my son. He is God. He is me. Jesus himself takes the stand in his own defense. You're allowed to do that when you're in a court of law. You can take the stand in your own defense. In John 8, 14, if I do bear witness about myself, Jesus says, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. Of course, John the Apostle would also put the works of Jesus on the witness stand. 
In John chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus says, The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. That's why it says these, these signs, these wonders, these miracles were meant to prove to all of us that Jesus is God. Of course, John the Apostle would also use Scripture itself. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus said, You search the Scriptures... Because you think that in them you have eternal life. In other words, they, they thought, well, if you've got a Bible, it's like a good luck charm. If you've got your Old Testament law of the prophets. But he goes on and says, it is they that bear witness about me. If you, if you really believe your Bible, you'd believe me. Because they bear witness of me. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a prophecy. In fact, there's multiple prophecies about a guy, a forerunner so to speak, a guy who'd almost come as like a town crier, like a herald coming before the Messiah. And those prophecies talk of none other than John the Baptist. And they say that John the Baptist will come like that of Elijah. Now, I, I, all I know is that Elijah is thought of as a pretty big deal in Israel. He was a very unique prophet. Matthew, Mark, and John all refer to this and they point to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 3, where the Isaiah says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And then the last book of our New Test, our Old Testament, Malachi, chapter 3, verse 1, the God says to Malachi the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So this is why I say John the Baptist is like a star witness. He's been prophesied about. that The, the Old Testament Jews were told before Messiah comes, look for John. But of course, next to take the stand will be other men and women in the Gospel of John, like that Samaritan woman at the well, or the man born blind, or the audience that was in attendance at the wedding of Cana that we'll get to in a few weeks. And who wouldn't put Lazarus on the stand at a trial saying that Jesus is God? How do you think he was as a witness? Hey, who are you? I'm Lazarus. What happened to you last week? Well, I died on Monday, and I was in a grave, and then I came back to life on Friday. Do you think he had to go to class to figure out how to tell people about, I was dead, but now I'm alive? I think he was a pretty good witness. Then John calls himself and the rest of his disciples. Jesus told them in John 15, 27, that they would be his witnesses in Acts 1, 8, right? What does Jesus say? And yet you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then finally, the last to take the stand, who is still taking the stand in every one of us, if we are Christians, is the Holy Spirit. In John 15, 26, John, Jesus would say, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father. Notice this, the Spirit of truth. Why is that important? Because he proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. So these are the eight witnesses that you will be confronted by as you read John chapter 2 through John chapter 20. Now don't forget, 
that John's having established the deity of the Christ in those verses 1 to 5, now turns to the only two possible responses to that reality. Because when I say to you, Jesus came and he was God in the flesh and he was the creator of all things and he died for everybody and then he rose from the dead and now he's in heaven living and interceding and an advocate for all those who will put their trust in him. You all have one of two reactions. The world has one of two reactions either belief or unbelief. Those are your only two options. Either that's true or it's not true. But before describing those responses all through the rest of John, John the Apostle describes John the Baptist who came to testify of Jesus so that people would believe in him. So We look at John the Baptist and kind of we're forced to look at ourselves, aren't we? We're kind of forced to look at ourselves. We're called to compare and to answer the question, am I a witness for Christ? Would I even take the stand? Have I witnessed for Christ this past week? Will I witness for Christ today and this coming week? You need to understand, you will whether you admit it or not. The question becomes, what kind of witness will you be? John the disciple has told us that his call is for you and I to believe in Jesus. And it's not a call that he won't offer us reasons or proof or a witness or witnesses. So he starts by opening with reasons in 1 to 5 and jumps right to the witness, a star witness, a foretold Old Testament prophesied witness. In fact, John the Baptist is so important to John's case and to God's plan and to the gospel narrative that you're going to read about him here in the introduction. We're going to read about him. He takes up all the end of John chapter 1. He reappears in John chapter 3. Jesus talks about him in John chapter 5. But for this morning, I just want to look at 6, 7, and 8, and 15. And I want to keep coming back to this. Are you a witness? Are you a witness? Have you ever considered those who give witness to Jesus? But maybe the best question we can deal with for today is this. What made John the Baptist such a great witness for Christ? Why would John start here? Why would he start here? And the very first point I want to give you this morning is this. Number one, John knew who he was before Christ. What made John such a great witness? Why did John the Apostle start with John the Baptist? Because John knew who he was before Christ. Again, keeping with the Johns, John MacArthur has very succinctly explains what I mean. He says, the abrupt change of subject from the exalted Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal self-existent creator God, to a mere man sent from God is striking. There came is actually there appeared, indicating the shift from the heavenly word to his earthly herald. After describing the word who was God, John the disciple turned to the one who announced that the word was God. The herald's name was John the Baptist. But here's my question for you this morning. What's your knowledge of John the Baptist? I mean, what's your understanding of him or what's your appreciation of who he was? Do you know how he was conceived? 
He had a very, very special conception. His parents were, were Elizabeth and Zachariah, and you read about it in Luke chapter 1, and we're on the precipice of Christmas. In Luke 1.13, it says, the angel of the Lord Gabriel appears and says, do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, that was unusual. He's the firstborn son, and he was going to be male. You'd almost always call him after yourself, but Gabriel says, no, no, you're going to call him John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now that's important. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah. Does that not sound like Isaiah 40 and Malachi 3? And why? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, it says, even in his mother's womb, a few verses later in Luke 1 verse 40, we read this. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, this was her cousin. Elizabeth is now pregnant with John, but Mary's now been told that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. So she comes, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, look at this, the baby leaped in her womb. This is, this is prophecy being filled in one chapter. John the Baptist, in the moments he hears through in vitro that Mary's voice is there, he starts kicking, and he has a hallelujah fit in Elizabeth's belly. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How many of you know about the lifestyle of John the Baptist? Because he was a motley guy. In Matthew chapter three, verses four to six, we read, now John wore a garment of camel's hair. That just screams comfort. And a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. I couldn't be, I mean, I would lose John at locusts. But notice this then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, notice, confessing their sins. Why? Do you know what his message was? Do you know what his message was? And again, Matthew chapter 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you know how John the Baptist died? Do you know about his personality? Do you know where he spent his time and what his activities were like? Do you know what Jesus said about him? In Matthew chapter 11, you read this. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison, so at some point, John gets arrested. And the reason you, you don't know this, but it's because he stood before the king who was sleeping with his brother's wife and in the throne room with a whole bunch of people around, he looks at the king and says, you're in sin, dude. This is wrong. So the king says, thanks for your advice. Don't pass go. Don't get $200. Go directly to jail. They played real life Monopoly in Herod's day. 
So when John now heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Even John the Baptist as his witness has moments of doubt. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. Now listen to what Jesus says about John the Baptist. What then did you go out to see when you went out to see this camel-haired wearing leather-girded, locust-sucking, wild-sipping, honey dude that said to repent. What were you going to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before you, your face who will prepare your way before you. He quotes Isaiah. And then he says this, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. This is what Jesus said. See, Jesus, John the Baptist was admired and feared. Yet he caused a commotion. His message was radical, yet hopeful. He was considered by most as a prophet. He spoke with passion and authority. He called for action and didn't seem to care if he was liked or if folks believed. He simply declared or uh, witnessed. (laughs) He bore witness to another. Maybe this is what Peter saw as an example where he would write in 1 Peter 3.13 Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. Why? So that when you are slandered, By the way, when you witness for Jesus, not everybody's going to buy what you're selling. In fact, many will disagree. So when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So John the Baptist knew who he was. He knew he was not Jesus. He knew the reason he existed. John himself is going to say in John 30, John chapter 3, verse 30, he, Christ, must become greater and I must become less. Last Sunday in our life group that Deb and I host, one of the common comments about John the Baptist was that of his humility, how humble he is. He simply desired to herald Jesus. One of those in our group said this, John was the voice, but Jesus was the word. John was the voice, but Jesus was the word. John is asked many times, as you're going to see as we study through John, who he was, about his message. But notice as what he says. Look at verse 15 of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. John knew that he was the witness, not the main attraction. 
He believed in Jesus. He trusted in Jesus. He lived for Jesus. That's what makes a witness a great witness. John had experienced Jesus, but he'd also found Jesus to be true and trustworthy. But John also knew that he was just a witness and a divinely appointed one in the spirit of Elijah. He knew God had created him and chosen him and given him a role to play. It involved fame and influence, but suffering and isolation. At times, he's surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands, but then he's alone in a prison. He would cause the religious to question him, come and see and even fear him, but he would give up his life by the request of a young lady manipulated by her mother when when she'd sexually danced for her stepfather thus getting John the Baptist beheaded. Ultimately, John would give his life for the one who would give his life for him and us all. In every way, John went before. He comes, he's born physically before Jesus, but he's less than Jesus. He goes before Jesus with his message, but Jesus is the message. Then he dies for Jesus, and then Jesus dies for him and for all of us. Ultimately, John is the forerunner of Jesus. But we also see, not only did John know he was who he was, but number two, John knew who Christ was. John knew who he was, but John knew who Christ was. Notice our passage just says there was a man sent from God. In verse 6, and for a purpose. He was sent for a purpose to tell others about Jesus, to proclaim to all who Jesus was. Notice what it says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Why? To bear witness about the light. He was there to tell us about Jesus. John the Baptist knew this. He knew who Christ was and he believed it. And that belief made a difference in his life and the lives of those around him. Plus we see see in John the Baptist that Christianity is not just a system. This is my problem with all of the debate in the U.S. about the politics. See, Christianity is so much more than just a system beliefs or a conservative set of values or a collection of highly moral people, people who want to enforce their view on others or need this view to get through life. John the Baptist didn't come to bear witness of that. Christianity is based on facts, historical facts. Jesus is God. Jesus came as a man. Jesus was who he claimed to be. He did what he claimed to do. He lives today in power and dominion over the whole of creation. John the Baptist is a witness. Now, friends, listen. While our message about life, the world, and the state of the affairs of this world is negative, it's even sober, and worse, it's even bad. Our news, though, is also good and life-giving and amazing. Because when God the Father sent God the Son, who after his ascension would send us God the Holy Spirit, we can now boldly proclaim with Paul in 1 Timothy, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And every one of us can say that. John the Baptist heralded. You see, we have to know and understand what our greatest need is. What's the world's greatest need? Jesus If you know who Jesus is, then you know that world hunger or mass violence or the search for equality 
for men and women who treat each other with love and respect, for good marriages and stable homes, that every child would have two loving and caring parents, that governments, for governments that are fair and just and look out for all segments of society is unattainable. The reason so much evil exists and the reason our hopes and dreams are so hard to attain is not because others are evil, it's because we are. We are apart from Jesus. Again, I'll save it over and over again. Matthew 16. What does it profit you or me to gain the whole world but lose our soul? And yet that's just a problem. Too many of us, too many of the world is too busy trying to find peace and safety and pleasure and contentment just about everywhere but Jesus. And thus enters John the Baptist. Bold and urgent and proclaiming here is jesus he is god he is the answer of life yours and mine when you know him you'll be changed by him you'll rest in him you'll have an attitude transformation but knowing that means number three john bore witness of christ's message see john knew who he was john knew who christ was and john bore witness of christ's message look again at our passage He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light. He came to bear witness about the light. Look again at verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried, This was he of whom I said. He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. John didn't just tell folks about Jesus. He told them what Jesus was all about. He told them what his message was. This is the reason why folks are confessing their sins. John is constantly telling folks, repent. Why? Because Jesus is here for the sick. He's here to deal with our sin. He's here to expose the lies of Satan, the lies of the world, the lies we tell ourselves. What's wrong with the world? We are. Plus, John tells us that God owes us nothing. And what's worse, if we got what we did deserve, it's worse than you can imagine. Francis Schaeffer said in the 1970s, truth carries with it confrontation. Truth demands confrontation, loving confrontation, but confrontation nevertheless. But he goes on to say, I am not a Bible-believing Christian in the fullest sense simply by believing the right doctrines, but as I live in practice in this supernatural world. See, John the Baptist was the best kind of witness because he was about Christ. You see, his undying commitment to make his witness about Jesus and not himself. Did you ever notice that? John didn't glorify his sin. Have you ever not heard many testimonies when we say, can I give you my testimony? And it becomes 30 minutes about all the stuff you did. And then at the very last, but then Jesus saved me. You got a 28 minute recitation of all you did wrong. And then Jesus saved me. Versus No, 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 I did a pile of stuff wrong, but now let me tell you about my Savior. Let me tell you about my Savior. And sometimes I find testimony time becomes more like making rock stars of the Christians than it does making much of Jesus. And John the Baptist doesn't do that. John the Baptist, you notice, he doesn't go on about his sin. He doesn't, he doesn't go on and say, I am John the Baptist. Did you know that Gabriel came to my father while he was in the temple and then I was miraculously conceived and my dad couldn't talk and then I was born and then he miraculously could talk and when I was in the womb, I was banging around mom's belly. When the Messiah... He doesn't tell you anything about that. He just says, here's Jesus. 
Here's Jesus. What would life look like for all of us if we stopped worrying about ourselves and just said, here's Jesus? Because you don't have to worry about yourself if you get Jesus. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to make yourself look good. He was about Christ. Remember this song? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. But there's something about that name. Are you and I about Jesus? Is our testimony about Jesus? The king's doctor who became a Christian, Martin Lloyd-Jones, put it like this. We are meant to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and to tell them he is the son of God and that he has come into the world in order to save men and women. We are meant to tell men exactly why the world is as it is. We are meant to tell them about sin in the human heart and that nobody and nothing can deal with it save the Son of God. We are very ready to talk about our doctors and to praise the man who cured us when so many failed. We talk about some business which is better than ours or about films and plays and actors and actresses and a thousand and one other things. We are always glorifying people. The world is full of it. But the Christian is meant to be praising and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist would proclaim, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So ladies and gentlemen of Calvary Baptist, are we witnesses? Are we witnesses will be will we be a church of people who will tell our families and our friends and our neighbors Jesus is the savior of our sin look at verse 32 of John chapter 1 down at the end of the chapter and John bore witness I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him he is the one sent from God. John bore witness with his words of Jesus' message, but John also bore witness with his life. He lived the way Jesus lived, and he, told, and, and he lived the way Jesus told him to live. Folks, listen, read the New Testament. Galatians chapter 5, Ephesians 4 and 5, Colossians 3, Ephesians 6, 1 Corinthians 6, 7, 9, and 10, and on and on and on it goes. We speak of Jesus, then we live for Jesus, and we do this for God's glory. You see, John bore witness with words, but John bore witness with action. But the purpose was always the same. Look at verse 7. He bore witness for others to believe. That's why he did it. John spoke and lived with expectation. He was a witness. He expected folks to be changed by his words in life. Do you remember what God told Paul in Acts chapter 9? Paul tells him, he says that he would suffer greatly, but that he would be a witness before kings and Caesars. In Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10, when he's about to scurry off from Corinth, God says, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, 
For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. You need to know that this verse is written in everything I own in my office as it relates to me coming to St. John's, Newfoundland. This verse is the reason I came back here. Because I am convinced that there are people in this city who God is going to save. That he has not done that. We are the last people to know Jesus in the city of St. John's. But we've got to be a witness We've got to get busy. We can be and should be and must be persistent with witnesses and missionaries for Jesus. Listen, Mary is not here. Mary Benedict is not here. So I, got, I need you all to work together now. Jesus saves. Amen. All right. Whew. That's recorded, right? All right. Now listen to me. As Christmas comes. See, I said I like Christmas. It's on, it's on my mind. Like the shepherds. And the wise men, Mary and Joseph, and John the Baptist, go tell it on the mountains, over the hills, and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountains that Jesus Christ is Lord. Will you be a witness? So as I conclude this morning, here's my first question for everybody. Have you seen Jesus or are you still choosing to be blind to him? If you're here this morning, you have been confronted with Jesus. Steve Dow was telling me, was I was discussing this sermon with Steve, and he told me that there's a legal term, because Steve has a law degree, and he said there's a legal tar- term called willful blindness. See, too many in the world are willfully blind. I watched a movie not too long ago and one of the bad guys, he had done something wrong and he has to go face the music and he goes to see his immediate superior, but there's this other dude, sinister, lurking in the darkness and he walks over and he covers, he goes, I don't, I don't see you, man. I don't, I don't see you because he knows if he admits that he sees him, now he's accountable to a much higher authority. Have you ever seen kids do that? Kids do that when they're playing peekaboo when they're really young or they're in trouble and they, they just they, they do one of these and they go, well, if I can't see you, you can't see me, right? And how many adults do this with Jesus? La, 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 la. I know he's out, but I can't see him, so he can't see me. And yet how foolish is that if I said, I can't see Paul, so Paul can't see me? You'd all be like, poor Steve. <laughs> That's right. Have you seen Jesus or are you choosing to be blind to him? Listen, it's funny that our legal system says ignorance is not a defense. And that's true of Jesus, especially if it's willful ignorance. You're here this morning. You've heard Jesus loves you. He created you. You and me, we were born sinners. We've rejected God's will. We've rejected God's reign and God's holiness. We are the problem and only Jesus is the answer. Jesus is not just a real person. He is the God man. He came to live and die for our sin. He came to take our place. He came to show us God. And he does this through Christ, patiently, lovingly, mercifully, graciously, and then he'll use you and keep you for eternity to be with him forever. So if you're here this morning, I call on all of us to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is right here, right now, real and calling you to himself. Come, 
Don't delay. But my second question is this to Christians. Are you bearing witness to Christ? Remember, I started out by asking you to think about your experiences with witnessing. Did you have to take a class? Are you afraid you'll get it wrong? What if I don't have all the right things to say? Listen, Christian. Listen to John the Baptist and follow his example. Simply be honest about who you are, who Jesus is, and what Jesus has done to you and for you. And then tell your friend and your co-worker and your fellow student and your family member. Again, I quote Francis Schaeffer. I've been reading his book. He says, The problem which confronts us as we approach modern man today is not how we are to change Christian teaching in order to make it more palatable. For to do that would mean throwing away any chance of giving the real answer to man in despair. Rather, it is only a problem of how we may communicate the gospel so that it is understood. And there is no greater power to that when you just be, I met Jesus Will you let me take him, take you to meet him too? We have but one calling to humbly know who we are and to boldly tell others about Jesus and to lovingly and passionately proclaim and live out Jesus. Don't try to package the gospel. Don't put it in a nice little gift bag with nice tissue paper and go, ta-da. Just tell people about Christ. Don't trust in your system of delivery more more than the power of the message itself. Don't hoard your gospel to yourself, afraid of both God and man, like the servant with the one talent who wraps it in a napkin and buries it because he's afraid. So how do you become a better witness for Jesus? Here's something profound. Prayer, the word of God, community, living life with Jesus. Here's the one thing I want you all to know as I sum up. J.M. Boy says this. It means, this passage, that God regards your testimony as being important enough to be included among all those other monumental testimonies to the person and work of the glorious Lord Jesus. Your story of knowing Jesus is as important as John the Baptist's. Because after Jesus says that there's been no one born among women greater than John the Baptist, he finishes that verse by saying, but even the least of you are greater than he in my Father's kingdom. That's why you've got your testimony. Your testimony may not have a very wide scope It is certainly not as world-embracing as the testimony of the Bible. It may not be as spectacular as the testimony of John the Baptist. Not every one of you is going to say, an angel announced my birth. No, I was born in the grace in 1972. Put my mother through 30 plus hours of labor. The cord got wrapped around my throat. And I was a nuisance to her ever since. But my testimony counts with God because of Christ. Still, your testimony is most important. You know, you do a special aspect of Christ's personality or work to which only you can point adequately. And what is more, as you do point to it and witness to him, men and women will come to know him as their savior. So Calvary, be witnesses. Is Christ enough? 
Yes. Let Christ be your all. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word and to talk about you and this guy you chose named John the Baptist. This strange dude who wore funny clothes and had a funny diet, who screamed and yelled and yet trusted you. And Lord, some of us here, we're in St. John's, Newfoundland. We've come from other parts of the country or the world, or we've maybe grown up around the bay. Maybe some of us talk funny. We've got funny stories, funny names. But Lord, if we know you, we're witness. Lord, I pray for anybody who's here this morning who doesn't know you. Oh, Father, that their eyes have been opened and they would respond to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. May they be motivated now to look to you and look to that friend that brought them or come and talk to somebody. May they not leave here not knowing that they're in a relationship with you. Lord, I pray for the Christians here. Lord, our culture is quickly turning its back on you and now more than ever, this city needs a group of witnesses to share their heart and their love for you. So stir us that Christ indeed is enough. In Jesus' name and all God's people said.